Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Hey everyone, it is Kevin Henry, one of the co-experts at Rocks Pile. Welcome you to the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Glad, as always, to be joined by my fellow expert and good friend, Noah Yingling. Noah, happy opening day eve to you, my friend. Happy opening day eve to you as well. I, I've got uh, the cookies and milk out for Rob Manfred tonight as he comes down the piece, so I'm very excited. Santa Claus Manfred. I mean, you really can't get much better than that. You know, the gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely. I'm just saying. So. Wink, wink. <laughs> I'm sure you can hear the sarcasm in both of our voices. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave him a piece of metal down, uh, down by the cookies and milk, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't, uh, as we've discussed before, uh, if, that's another thing you do. If you don't do that, you're a bad person. Um, I am a bad person. I mean, uh, there are plenty of people that will join you in that. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Hey, I am so excited. So we're going to uh, I've got an interview with ESPN MLB insider Kylie McDaniel that we're going to get to after the break. I'm really excited about that. I think Rockies fans are going to be very interested in what he has to say about Zach Veen about what he has to say about Brendan Rodgers, and about what he has to say about the Rockies organization as a whole. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. And Noah, I'm just going to tell you, there's some pretty damning comments that are getting ready to come out on these airways, my friend. Yes, there are. And I mean, it's not completely unforeseen either. It's not unforeseen at all, really. No. I mean, considering what's happened in the last two years, I mean, it's... What what can you say that's gone well? Yeah, that that's a really good question. You know, I will say I think uh, the CJ Crone signing is going to end up being good. Uh, I, I will I will say that. And then uh, obviously there's a little bit of minor league news earlier today as well, I believe. And also on the Crone thing, and I think we've discussed this before. You know, I said that they should sign him after the 2018 offseason. So the Rockies, of course, are behind the eight ball, um, but. They, they signed Matt Adams. Um, in a way, I like the move. In a way, I don't like the move. Um, 
And the way I do like it is it's more depth. It's whether it's for an injury or whatever. Um, he gives you a left-handed power bat off the bench when he's ready to come up to the majors. Yep. Um, I don't like the move because it blocks more prospects. Agreed. I mean, yeah. especially with Colt, with Colton Welker. He's played really well the last three spring trainings. He's not going to be able to play third base because unless something happens with Ryan McMahon, whether it's injury or he just doesn't show up at the plate. But now with Crone at first base, assuming you aren't going to trade him at the trade deadline, yep. Who? Uh, wh- where does Colton Welker fit on your team? And it's not like the Rockies are known for, okay, uh, we're going to, uh, we don't have a spot for this guy. So we're going to trade him and get somebody else we can use. The Rockies don't do trades that often. So that's the thing. It's like I said, it's a mixed bag for me on that. Yeah. And and I wonder, you know, what, what does this say about Greg Bird uh, as well? You know, that that was one of the first thoughts that I had whenever I saw that. I am like you depth pieces are always great, but how many guys can you have, using air quotes here, waiting in the wings at AAA in case something happens with Crone or there's a some kind of trade that happens, as you mentioned. And that that's the Rockies' problem in general. I mean, there's, okay, that's fine that you have the depth piece, but you have Bird, you have Welker, now you have Adams. You have plenty of other guys who can play first base too. Yep. And where is your, uh, so your first base base depth is fine. Now, oh, where's your other depth? I mean, especially pitching wise, you have no depth there, period. I mean, let's be honest. Some of these guys that are still in contention for a starting spot should uh, on most other teams would not even be on their major league roster. And they would probably be their fourth or fifth starter in AAA. Yeah, when you look at the fact that David Price is going to start the year in the Dodgers bullpen. And Tony Gonsolin as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that right there shows you, you know, when you wonder about the, the range in the National League West, that right there could well be a pretty determining factor. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and we've, we've talked about this. The Padres are obviously deep as well. You know, it's a two-horse race at the top. And, you know, I know in our podcast for tomorrow, for opening day, we're going to kind of give our season predictions and things like that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, You know, I I guess I'll ask you, uh, you know, because Patrick Saunders answered this question today in his Denver Post mailbag, the thing he was most excited about uh, heading into the 2021 season. Which it was not surprising his top answer. No, he, he he loves Josh Fuentes. He does, and and you know, and and we've all got those those player crushes. I think, and uh, Josh is definitely Patrick's. Uh, but I'll ask you, um, what is what's one thing you're looking forward to for the 2021 season? The Rocky sense of direction. Yep. Uh, right now, and it, it's a terrible spot to be in. You're at a crossroads. Okay, um, are any of these players going to develop? Um, are you going to trade away story gray, all that? I think by the end of the year, you're going to have some sense of direction. And in fact, on that podcast, we'll talk about uh, a hot take that we each have for the 
season as well, and perhaps going into the future. Um, so you'll have to pay attention to that. But um, I think it'll it'll be a big thing for the Rockies where they still think that they're going to be in contention. And the players, uh, the it, publicly, they have to say that. I mean, they're not going to say, oh, we're going to be a 57 and 105 team. Or why are we even playing? Um, but for example, if a player says, oh, well, we want to win and we're, we're all grinders and we're, we just want to win. Well, guess what? There's, um, 30 other teams with 26 players who want to win as well. Not everyone can win. So, um, it, it ends up coming down to the talent that you have and how many questions each team has. The Dodgers won last year and they are the odds on favorite, not even close to being no one even close to them being second of being the favorite to win the world series, win the NL West, all that, because how many questions do they have? I would argue zero because I mean, if you've got David price and Tony Gonsolin as your sixth and seventh men in your, in your rotation, you won the world series last year and you got better you probably don't have many questions. I would honestly say the biggest question for them is Kenley Jansen closing for them and their setup situation. Mm-hmm. That's their biggest question. The Rockies have about 50 more questions that are more dire than that. And that's why the Rockies are projected to be last and the Dodgers are projected to be first. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. And, and I'm going to kind of tag on to what you're saying here because I'm, I'm the person that wants a couple of answers out of this season. You know, I'm, I'm not as big on the wins and losses this year, as weird as that sounds, because we've already said, you know, hey, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I mean, it would take a miracle for that to happen, let's be perfectly honest. So yeah. they've got to answer the Sam Hilliard, the Rymel Tapia, the Brendan Rodgers, you know, they, they've got to answer a lot of questions about guys and if they're going to be a part of their lineup moving forward. You touched on that in your uh, Why 2021 is going to be the most important season in Rockies franchise history article because there's a lot of guys that are going to take the field for opening day and throughout the, the Dodger series that we're going to sit here and go, is this guy a, a piece of their future that they can build around? Yeah, and the thing is, some people might ask, well, okay, why is 2021 more important than 2005? One of the building years to 2007 and 2009. And the thing is with those years, the Rockies, you knew, okay, heading up to it, there were some players who were like, okay, we know they're not going to be part of our future plans, but we've got stop gaps essentially you had for example in 2004 you had former rockies reliever steve reed sign with the team you had vinnie castillo resign with the team and he was in his late 30s at the time um and you were about ready to trade larry walker because he he was getting advanced in age as well so you knew okay these guys aren't going to be part of our plan three, five years down the road. Whereas with the Rockies now, they're almost all young. So Ryan McMahon could be on your team in 10 years. Ryan Tapia could be on your team in 10 years. Whereas players like 
Castilla and Reed and other ones like that, you knew, hey, they're not going to be on our team in five or 10 years because they're probably going to be retired. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great point. It is. And, and I certainly encourage you to read Noah's article heading into the season. You know, if, if you're looking for a reason to watch this team in 2021, I think Noah's article gives you some really good ideas on, on why this year is the most important year in franchise history and what you should be watching. Uh, Noah, I've got a tease just real quick. Uh, so uh, at, right after the break, uh, you're going to have my exclusive interview at the ESPN MLB Insider uh, Kylie McDaniel, certainly appreciate ESPN and Kylie uh, taking part this morning uh, in our talk. Uh, but here's the quote that, that I think is going to resonate in all this is that nobody disputes, and this is Kylie McDaniel, you'll hear him say this, nobody disputes they're the 30th best run organization in baseball right now. So with that being said, we know that there are a lot of things that we need to see on the field and have questions to this year. I don't think it's out of line to say that it's outside of Rocky's kingdom that people are wondering if there are going to be questions answered in the front office this, this season as well. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge determining factor. It's the on-field play. If they go 87 and 75 and shock the world, there's snake in their grass, whatever, there's going to be a lot of people, us included saying, that's great. That okay, you completely proved us wrong. Yeah. But if you go 57 and 105, there's gonna be okay, why uh why is this player at this time next year? Why is this player still on the team? Why are these 10 players still on the team? Why hasn't there been a front office move yet? If there hasn't been one, yep. why hasn't there been coaching staff moves or etc.? I mean as we've discussed, 2019, okay, you can say that's a fluke. Even 2020, you can say, okay, that's a fluke, 60 games, okay. Third time's a pattern. You can't say, oh, we're exceptionally talented and blah, blah, blah. No, you're not. You played three years like crap. You're not a good team, period. Sorry. Now do something to fix it. Yeah, and, and I think we're at, we're at that point uh, as a as a fan base, as a franchise. This is that crossroads. So, uh, hey, stick with us right after the break. My exclusive interview, Kylie McDaniel, ESPN MLB Insider. We're going to talk Zach Bean. We're going to talk prospects. We're going to talk next year's draft, and we're also going to talk the current state of the Rockies as far as the entire. Uh, shall we say nation is looking in at the at the mountain time zone right now. So stay with us here on the rocks pile Rockies report. And we are back on the rocks pile Rockies report brought to you by rockspile.com. Uh, so glad to have uh, ESPN MLB insider Kylie McDaniel joining us. Kylie, good morning. How are you? Morning. Thanks for having me. It's a very rainy day in Atlanta, but luckily I don't have to go outside today. <laughs> That's a good thing for sure. Uh, so I've got to ask, opening day for you, what kind of feeling does that give you, excitement, et cetera? Yeah, it's really more excitement for, like, my friends in baseball because, like, you know, opening day isn't necessarily the day. It's sort of like Easter for church. It's like it's for yeah. the people that don't go, really. Uh, all the other weeks are for the people that go. And for me, opening day is not like the day I go to the ballpark. It's probably a day that I'm, you know, going to a high school or college game or, you know, working the phones or whatever, whatever stuff you think I do is probably what I'm doing. 
Um, but there's been so many friends in baseball that have, you know, lost their jobs, trying to get jobs, have taken pay cuts. And it's like, once that happens and there's fans in the stands at some level, that number's probably, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, going to go up throughout the year. And so it means all those people are in a better spot. And I have, you know, luckily not been as affected by this sort of thing. But, you know, just a few years ago, I was working for a team that could have been me. Um, and obviously, I'm in media, very easily could have been me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for those guys more than anything else. Are you a guy that gets more excited for minor league opening day? Maybe I should ask that question. Yeah, well, also minor league opening day also means most teams are throwing their best pitchers. And being in Atlanta, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of teams within a couple hours of here. So yeah, I would say that is a little more interesting, especially if it's a guy that you know maybe was the uh, international signee, came up late, you know, popped in the GCL, and now was in Low A, and I can go drive you know an hour twenty minutes out to Rome and see him there. That is way more exciting than uh, being like, you know, I get to go to SunTrust Park and see all the players I've seen for the last 15 years. It's like, okay, for me, that's not as exciting. I guess as a fan, that's very exciting. <laughs> well, last year, no minor league season. How much did that impact the development of players, in your opinion? So the players that are basically in any team's top 10 uh, of their prospect list or are the guys in double AA and triple A weren't affected that much. Obviously they didn't have like the full season. They didn't get to sort of have the stats and the performance, but in terms of like how much they improved, how much time they got with the best, you know, development people, best evaluators, that sort of thing was, you know, close enough. It was in the ballpark. It was sort of like they missed a third of the season with an injury. It, you wouldn't say it was a lost season. The players below that level that are not on the 40 man or maybe triple A lifers, the lower minors guys, the guys outside of the top 10 or 15 on a prospect list, they were largely until instructional league. Hopefully they got invited to that. But if they didn't, then it's, you know, winter league, it's at home stuff. Uh, I know from doing the twins list this year, uh, some twins personnel were telling me that Matt Cantorino went from having an average changeup to a plus changeup and he taught it to himself at home on, on like tech that he had. And then he showed up later and they were like, how did you get this? He's like, I did it on my own. And they just kind of like, you know, reverse engineered that, um, uh, that timetable and there's obviously like some communication they're suggesting things but until like you see it and throw it in a game against the guy even if it's like you know a simulated game you don't really know if it's working uh you don't know if the stuff's calibrated like you don't know for sure what you're looking at and so there's a lot of guys like that that will take a step forward that probably would have done it in a normal year and then there's other guys that would have taken a step forward in a normal year that maybe took a step back just because the structure wasn't there and obviously, got to ask you about Zach Fien. Obviously, he is the top Rockies prospect coming up. Everybody's excited about him, but he's also never played a minor league game. Uh, he was at fall camp. So what what does it do for a player like Zach Fien? Like you said, was that instructional league, but still hasn't played a minor league game yet? Yeah, for him, I don't think it's a huge deal. Uh, a lot of times we'll be talking about like 21, 22-year-old college picks who then don't play for a year. They're now 23 with no stats and prospects that are 23 are typically in AAA. So all of a sudden they're like four levels behind where you think they should be. And hopefully they can, you know, go high A, uh, maybe to double A and end the year, you know, within spitting distance of where they're supposed to be. But that would be if things go well. Uh, for the high school players like Zach Veen, where it's, you know, they have the summer showcase season. He was like notable for hitting a home run off of Matt Allen as a junior in high school and nobody knew his name. So it's like he's got multiple years of history that the college guys don't even necessarily have. He's still not that old. And he's also the kind of guy that probably this year would have gone to low A. I would guess he's probably still going to do that anyway. So like his timetable hasn't really changed that much. We just didn't get to see any performance. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that probably would have performed really well. So I would say his stock is probably just like a little bit lower than it would be otherwise. But also guys like him, sometimes, you know, they pull a hamstring, miss a few weeks, aren't that good, and then shut it down, and you don't really get any information over the summer. 
So he's not that far behind schedule, but I would say the college players are much further behind because those reps are much more important at that age. So a little bit of behind the curtain stuff I've got to ask you. So you have Zach Bean at 46 on your top 100 prospect list. How tough is that for you knowing you really haven't seen that much of him except for what he did, not what he's maybe currently doing? Well, he's a good example of a guy where I didn't feel that uncomfortable about because I saw him as a junior in high school and I saw him multiple places on the showcase circuit. I was about to go see him in the spring, but because it was such a weird situation where everybody during spring training rushed in and got to see him, he was one of the few high school players that benefited from the shorter season because the most important looks he got on him still happened. Like they happened like February 15th to March 1st was his or March 15th. Like that area was the most important for him. He was good. He was seen and everybody got what they needed and everything after that would have just been checking in to make sure he was okay. So the kids in like Arizona and Florida, especially the ones that were known and that were on the list, you know, February 1st benefited from it and got seen a lot and basically had the same track record as you would have had. So he, him and uh, Robert Hassel and some of these other top high school players from that, that draft, it's not super difficult to sort of place them. It's just really like, are they going to end up at 40 or 60 or 80? And is there one thing you need to see? Do you want to see them in big league spring training to get an idea of where they are? Like, you know, what's that extra second, third level thing you need, but the base level stuff, he's basically not that different than any other like top 10 high school position player pick. And I know ESPN had Trevor Story as number 23 in their currently top 100. I, I believe that was the only Rockies player to crack that. And you have Zach Veen as that next top 100 guy. Does that say something about Zach Veen or does that say something about the Rockies franchise that he's the top next top 100 player in your opinion? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you probably read the blurb. Uh, it says something about the team. Uh, Herman Marquez, I think, was on too because he would have been, I think, another sort oh, of slam dunk. Piece option that's right there but yeah they had the same problem i think baltimore and a couple other teams had where you have your like solid core players in baltimore's case they don't have one but in colorado there's those two and then the next guys that could break through like that top 100 is like perennial three three and a half maybe four win player and it's like they don't really have that guy i don't think charlie blackman's that guy anymore they can't count on brendan rogers doing that the next few years and there's a bunch of prospects just below that level guys at the upper levels like ryan velade those kinds of guys and so you're just sort of like, that guy's not on the big league team. He's probably not on the 40-man roster. And in the case of like San Francisco Giants, it's like, oh, they're going to spend nine figures on a free agent or two this offseason. The next guy is that guy. They haven't signed him yet. And with Colorado, you don't have that. And so it's like, who is the next prospect they have that could be that 3-4-1 player? And it's like, oh, it's Zach Veen. The problem is, I think he's still 19. And he's like, what, at least three years away? But I also don't see a scenario where they're going to go sign a nine-figure free agent that's going to take that spot. I am sure it will not be Zach Veen. Someone will emerge. But if I had to put my money on someone, he's still probably the most likely one, which I think says something about the organization. But yeah, if I had to guess who the next one is, I'll bet the field on Zach Veen. But if I have to predict who it's going to be, he's the most likely. Yeah, we know this offseason has just been, a, I mean, for lack of a better term, a nightmare for the Rockies organization with the Nolan Arenado trade and everything that went around that. From a national perspective, what is the view of the Rockies right now as an organization, in your opinion? So from my perspective, there's a lot of uh, sort of gossip and whatnot from scouts and executives and, you know, like, oh, this team doesn't know what they're doing or this one does. And then when it comes to me writing things and getting, you know, blowback, whether it's people not answering my phone calls or people saying like on non-teams, uh, saying like, oh, you were unfair to that other team. And now I sort of lose some standing with them. There's like a level of sort of access that I need to be able to do my job. And so if there is a team that I think is the 27th best run team, I can say like, oh, they're pretty poorly run and nobody says anything. And if I say they're a disaster, 
that may, might affect the way that I do my job. And the difference between those two statements isn't that much. Like anyone who is like informed can tell I'm saying, oh, they're bottom five without like piling on and kind of being mean about it. Whereas random dude on Twitter, it's pretty easy to be pile, to pile on and be mean about it. Uh, with the Rockies, the reason I bring this up, nobody disputes that they are the 30th best run organization right now. There are obviously parts of the organization that are working well. I would say the two amateur uh, departments on international and um, domestic are probably the two best. I think their player development is fine, not fantastic. And then obviously the big league stuff in terms of spending money and free agency has been like almost historically terrible. I can't even think of a worse example. They're almost in the range that Texas is in with uh, prospects getting Tommy John surgery, where it's like, I don't think I could do that bad if I tried to do that bad, which sort of underlines how it's, there's a lot of bad luck mixed in there because it's like you can't do that bad on purpose. Yeah. Um, so there's like a little bit of bad luck, but there's also been a long track record of ownership, not letting GMs go when it's pretty clear they should, uh, ownership slash GM, not knowing how good the team is, not knowing what their contention level is, giving out nine figure extensions before they probably should, or making them longer than they should be. Like there's obviously some things here. There's all kinds of stories about the, I guess, sort of the culture behind the scenes, which obviously there was that article from the athletic that goes into much more detail, um, but I think everybody in baseball had a couple things where they were just sort of like this department, this person, this part of the culture, this decision-making process, this thing that they haven't gotten right for 10 years. There's always something you can point to. And so then if I am talking to an executive about, you know, the 25th best run team and they're like, actually, you know, this guy's pretty good and they're pretty good at picking these sorts of guys. And when it comes to the Rockies, everyone's just like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Like that's about the most charitable angel you get is I don't know what they're doing. And then other people will, you know, then be much, much meaner, I guess, if you want to say that way. <laughs> And so I, I guess I've got to ask you, knowing your uh, proliferance with prospects and everything else, the 2020 draft on the surface looked very strong. Is that the, the base for the Rockies building back or is it going to take another strong draft in 2021 and some moves in free agency to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think like one of the examples you can point to is like Miami. I think it's done a pretty good job going from like a tear it down and build it back up. Uh, and they are, I want to say like my second or third best farm system. Um, there's been a couple other teams like Baltimore, I think is now in the moving in the right direction where I think they're like eighth or so. I think they're probably a year away from getting to that critical mass where it's a top five system. They're, you know, guys are now graduating from that list and becoming above average big leaguers when, you know, Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Austin Hayes, like all those guys are showing up and they're going to give you cost controlled guys for three years. You've now got money to spend. You're good enough that when you're a 75 win team, you want to spend a few dollars on a veteran. Whereas when you're a 65 win team, you don't. So in that sort of process of the slow, traditional sort of scouting based, let's get some high picks kind of rebuild. I don't think they're even a year away from the system being good enough that it can sort of replenish what's going on at the big league level. I'm kind of looking at my rankings of their prospects right now. And it's, I don't remember where I had them in the, in the farm rankings, but I feel like it was probably 15 to 25 area. And you got to be in the top 10 to feel good about this group that's in the minors will replace the weakness in the big leagues. So I think they're now in a spot where it is at least a year, if not two years of building that up and then kind of strip mining the big league team. If you're really going to try to accelerate that some and then also saving money. And then at the end, you then have, you know, running lower than normal payrolls, which Seattle has just done for the last couple of years so that they can then go above where they had been in the past and have all the prospects coming up, eating up roster spots at the minimum, which then allows you to go spend on that big player, the, you know, Trevor story of three or four years from now to sort of fill in like that's sort of the path forward for most teams in this situation. There's obviously examples where teams have done it differently. Like Milwaukee never bottomed out but that's because they were so good at acquiring talent. So I wouldn't project the Rockies to be that example, 
So if you look at, you know, Miami, Baltimore, some teams like that, they're doing, and even San Diego, uh, they did or are doing or have, you know, finished doing what Colorado needs to do. And you can kind of map where you are on that trajectory. And I would say it's two years away from being excited about the farm system about to turn the corner with this thing. Okay. Good to know. And, and uh, which isn't super encouraging. I know it's not, but you know, we're looking for any glimmer of hope here in the Rocky mountains. I gotta be honest with you. Yeah. um, And I would also say that the 2020 draft looks strong. The 20 or the 2021 draft this one coming up. The 2022 looks even stronger and maybe like a historic once in 10 years kind of talent. Uh, base which is obviously a year out we don't know but like it's it's giving those markers so that's another thing to to look forward to well and and you read my mind because maybe the the blessing of a bad season in 2021 is that 2022 draft pick and maybe that's something that Rockies fans can almost look toward hope in that respect I mean you're going to be in a dogfight with Pittsburgh it looks like they are aggressively trying to be in last place for the next few years and have all of their best prospects be at the low levels 3 years away like that seems to be their strategy in both the players they've acquired the players they're asking for in trades like kind of how they're putting things together like I think they're just trying to do the hard reset which in some ways makes sense because if you're you know the Yankees uh, a rebuild is done differently when you know you can pay for over some spots and go get a 5-1 player in free agency um, and with Pittsburgh, they're all, it sounds like they're always under this ownership kind of a bottom five payroll. So it's like, you have to create the entire team internally. You need your system to be even a little better than most teams need to be to do a rebuild. So why not figure out a way to let that accumulating talent portion of this go as long as possible? Obviously Colorado doesn't have that problem. They've run sort of average to above average payrolls. And so once these, you know, Charlie Blackman type deals get off the books, you then have the potential to go sign a couple of Charlie Blackmans to then throw on top of the prospects, similar to Atlanta, where they have Freddie Freeman on a big deal. It sounds like they, you know, they have Marcelo Zuna on a big deal, and then they have Acuna, Albi, Swanson, you know, all these guys. Like that, I think is probably a little closer to what the end of it will look like for Colorado. You mentioned Brendan Rogers a few minutes ago. I, I know you've tracked him for a few years now. He's starting the year uh, with a hamstring injury, not available to the Rockies. Is it? Is it something that you still expect him to have the tools to break out if he can just stay healthy and stay on the field? Yeah, there's two issues, I think, for him. One is obviously health, which is hard for me to, like, you know, sort of fully understand and project and that sort of thing. The other one, which is a little tougher to tell with high school players, he, you're right, he was one of those guys that I was in Tampa at the time. I was seeing him as a sophomore in high school playing against seniors and in, like, you know, scouting events. And you're like, oh, that guy's the best guy in the field. And then you look down and see that on the roster he's a sophomore and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that guy's going to go real high because he's playing shortstop also. Um, he is still that talent. The issue is in those settings, you don't, you can't always tell how good a guy's pitch selection is because they're just facing a lot of 88 to 90. The first pitch is a fastball down the middle. If you just don't see a ton of like super deep counts and like really being able to flex that ability. And also this thing sort of changes over time. His pitch selection is just okay. It's probably on the 2080 scale, like a 40 or a 45. So it, what it does is, you know, if a guy has, there's a guy, Nolan Jones, Cleveland, that has probably 80 pitch selection. And what that does is he's both getting a bunch of walks, which is helping his on-base percentage. He's also picking out better pitches. So when he wants to get to his 60, 70 grade power, he's doing it on the pitches he should be doing it on. So he's picking out pitches that boost his slugging percentage because he's swinging at better pitches. He's also getting on base and he's also going to make more contact because he's swinging at better pitches. So like sort of that triple flash line, each of them individually is being helped. And conversely, when it's, you know, below average, it's not terrible, but it's below average. That means the batting average goes a little bit lower. The on-base goes a little bit lower. The slugging goes a little bit lower. It's sort of like just putting him behind the plate where just like the rigors of catching just kind of takes your offensive tools and plays him down a little bit. 
he's in the area where that is what's happened at the upper levels. So if he can make that adjustment and stay healthy, then he goes back to being the guy he was supposed to be out of high school. If he just sort of stays healthy and is fine and, you know, you just average 500 plate appearances a year, which is kind of what I would expect given what his history has been. And then he just has, you know, 45 plate discipline going forward and is a, you know, two and a half to three and a half win player, depending on the year for these, you know, five, six years of control. I think that's sort of like the best you can reasonably hope for and just know that it could get better. It could get worse, but I would say expect an above average everyday player. I just don't know when that's going to kick in. I mean, hopefully as soon as possible, but it's tough looking at the track record, just being like, Oh, he'll just be that guy tomorrow. I mean, David Dahl, I would have said the same thing. And obviously we don't know where that's going either. It's been some bad luck. And I think some, you know, sort of uh, bad decisions on the Rocky side with the, with guys like that. And last question for ESPN MLB insider, Kylie McDaniels joining us here on the rocks power Rockies report. I've got to give you some props last year. You and I talked on a teleconference and you said that the Rockies took, could take University of Miami pitcher Chris McMahon in the draft. They did take that guy. Is is I don't remember that, but yeah, that was, that was <laughs> there you go. Is is he something? Is he a player that could be a guy who could find his way into the Rockies rotation sooner than later, based on what you've seen of him? Yeah, he's a little tricky because he was a big guy out of high school and then didn't have a great spring and then was hurt a little bit early. Not nothing major, but missed time at Miami. And then was great over the summer with Team USA, where obviously all the scouts are watching him. He's in a rotation with Asa Lacey and Max Meyer and like stood up pretty well to those guys. And I don't remember saying that, but I do. I can tell you the reason I said that is because the Rockies only take pitchers that throw sinkers. And him and Carmen Majenski from South Carolina were the two guys in the top you know, part of the first round that both threw sinkers. So I could see where I put those two pieces together and say, well, if they're going to take college pitcher, the top 50 pick, it's going to be one of those guys. Uh, so, yeah, I guess. That, that's the case where my expertise actually is useful. Um, in most cases, I'm just guessing and I'm wrong. Um, yeah. So I would say he's another guy where if he can put together like a strong, healthy season of, you know, 100, 120 innings, the minors, uh, he is a little bit more of a pitch to contact guy than your sort of four seam strikeout type pitchers will be. It's sinker slider, but it's 93 to 95 touching 97. The slider is plus at times pretty consistently at 55. So I think if you're seeing anything eight Ks per nine and up, uh, anything 80 innings and higher walks anywhere from three uh, walks per nine and below, I think you're in a real good spot. And it then makes it pretty likely that he'll, you know, he's taken a couple steps in the direction of being a, you know, number four, maybe a little better, maybe worse starter, maybe a year or two from there. Uh, I think if he can do that, then that puts him on, all right, if you redrafted this draft and he goes, you know, 15 to 20 instead of, you know, 35 to 50 area that he went. ESPN MLB insider Kylie McDaniel. Kylie, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your insight. So obviously, big thanks to Kylie McDaniel, ESPN MLB insider, for joining us. And yeah, you know, that was an interesting conversation, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got some uh, insight into the prospects there. And um, as we mentioned before in the first segment, some damning comments from him. what were the biggest take- takeaways that you had from Kylie and your conversation with him? I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of things that Rockies fans will say, well, the front office has done this right. But I think they can be given props for last, last year's draft. Uh, you know, I think that they came away looking really good in last year's draft. They'll have to repeat it in this coming year's draft. You know, one of the things that that really stuck out to me is that it's going to take years of good drafts to rebuild this farm system. 
And yeah. so this isn't a quick fix. And, and that was one of the things that when Kylie said that, it's one of those things you know, but then when you hear it, it's just like, ah, oh, you know, still, it kind of gets you. So, yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, and, and as Kylie and I discussed, you know, there's that chance that the Rockies are going to have one of, if not the top draft picks in the upcoming uh, 2022 draft. Uh, so what would that look like? You know, and, and uh, I even teased that in an article, started looking at some of the players that are available in the 2022 draft. You can find that on rockspile.com. But this is not a, a quick fix. This is going to be a methodical, and I know nobody likes to use the word rebuild, but it is going to take some time to rebuild this franchise up into a contention mode. And the thing is, too, that's one thing if you draft the right guy. Like, for example, Veen has been compared to Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Yep. That's great. But can you develop him into that? It's not it, – you aren't drafting Christian Yelich or Cody Bellinger right now because if Zach Veen was that guy, he would be hitting in the top of your lineup right now. Sure. And he's not. He's going to be probably, I would assume, single A, maybe advanced A to start the season and when the minor league season starts in may so that's another key too i mean like for example 2016 they drafted riley pine and what has he done granted he's had injuries but that's one thing if oh we we really like this guy we we think we can build around him in five years what does he do in the next five years yeah and, and that's the thing, you know, and, and as you heard me talk about with Kylie, with the lack of a minor league season, and we've talked a little bit about that, it's going to affect different players different ways. Uh, you know, and, and one thing I really liked that he mentioned was the fact that Zach was part of the Arizona Instructional League last year, uh, you know, and so he did get some of that time. The Rockies uh, coaches got a feel for who he was, even though he wasn't playing in minor league games. And so, you know, that's important. Uh, and so, you know, it's at least a step, but yeah, all of our friends in Spokane, I have a feeling you're going to be seeing a lot of Zach Veen to start the season this year. And, uh, you know, that, that's going to be good. Brand new franchise and, uh, you know, kind of the, the future of the Rockies, shall we say, uh, probably in the heart of the order right there. Yeah. And like we said, if you, if you have Yelich and Bellinger comparisons, that's, that's a good sign moving forward, but the development. Absolutely. It's not, it's not just, okay, we have the right guy or on a thing that's been popular with the Rockies is, oh, they're baseball IQ. Okay. You can have, I would say that you and I have pretty good baseball IQs. That doesn't mean that we're uh, world-class athletes. <laughs> no, if, this was, if this was a video zoom, people could tell that real easily. Trust me. So, no. exactly. <laughs> uh, well, hey, no, I know we've got plenty to get to for our opening day podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about that and uh, looking forward to it, my friend. Yeah, finally, opening day. And finally, finally, we have fans in the stands. And I'm thankful for that. Looking forward to being at Coors Field uh, on Thursday for opening day. Dodgers, Rockies, ESPN, AT&T, Sportsnet, KOA, Colorado. Lots of different ways to find, watch, and listen to the Rockies and Dodgers on opening day. But, hey, Kevin Henry, uh, co-expert for Rockspile, signing off right now. Looking forward to opening day. And, hey, go Rockies. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.